0: Welcome to the Coug Center Podcast, and here's your host... You're dead. you crazy son of a bitch, you're dead. Michael Preston. <laughs> Woo! Fuck! Yeah! Oh, Fuck yeah! Oh, yeah! God, that shit is amazing! My God! Welcome to the Kook Center Hour. I'm Michael Preston. <laughs> I promised—I I don't even remember what show it was on—that we promised that there was one circumstance under which we would cuss on this show because, like, I and I don't know why I do this. Like, for some reason, I still have this compunction of living in my radio days, and you know, like, hey, like, just don't—I just don't curse on this show. And I think somebody asked during an Ask Michael Anything segment weeks and weeks ago, like, what would it take for you to finally do that? Um, and I said, winning the Apple Cup. And <laughs> lo and behold, uh, it finally happened after, God, eight years, not counting last year, obviously, because I didn't play it, but wow. Uh, Yeah, so we started right off the top there, um, and I hope that uh, you had your ears plugged a little bit, but I I frankly also don't really care, um, because it makes me very happy. So, uh, yeah, if your eardrums aren't working, um, oh well, you'll endure. Plenty, plenty to talk about on this show. Um, We're going to talk about Jake Dickert getting the full-time job here, uh, in a little bit. I want to talk about the football game he coached um, first, obviously, um, and then we'll get to talking about him getting the full-time gig. We'll touch on basketball, a little bit of very disappointing loss uh, to Eastern Washington uh, last weekend. Kind of kind of took the wind out of their sails a little bit going into Pac-12 play against Arizona State this week, but we will talk about them um, a little bit and then our Dunderhead of the Weekend ask Michael anything. I'm not even going to touch, like, we will touch on some of the coaching carousel stuff when we talk about Dickert, but good God. Um, You know, I, I've said before on this show and elsewhere that, that when it finally happened again, and I mean, it it, it was going to happen again, right? There's just... You don't, you don't go forever without beating a football team. It just felt that way, and it became very easy to be fatalistic um, about that. And I, I don't think, you know, I don't, I don't blame anybody who was going to think that, you know, mostly because I was thinking that. But if you were also of the same mindset, I certainly wouldn't have blamed you. I mean, every game since that insanely improbable comeback in 2012 had largely been a butt-kicking. And, I mean, you know, even the 2018 game, which is still closer than a lot of people thought it actually was. I mean, it still ended with a two-touchdown deficit, and that was the best Washington State team um, I had ever seen personally because, you know, I've been a fan for 15 years now. Um, I, I always knew it was going to end, right? Like, I, you know, in the back of my mind, like, of course it's absurd that you're just never going to beat a certain team again, especially when, I think I did the math right, Washington State has beaten everybody else in the conference at least twice, since they last beat Washington. Um, it, w- it was just patently absurd to not think that it was going to happen at some point, but it was certainly easy to take that. I kind of figured, though, when it did happen, it would be, again, one of those, you know, when Washington State wins an Apple Cup, it's not exactly known for being, like, this super wide margin. They have done it a couple of times, but, by- I mean, even in 1997, it was, I think it was, what, a touchdown? So you're not talking about Wazoo winning, when they do, winning big. You're, you're usually talking about them needing some stuff to go right, things on the margins to go correctly, and then mistake-free football, which, again, we've talked about before. That's how Washington State really needs to live, by and large, is you kind of have to count on that stuff to have truly wonderful seasons. Um, This was not that. This was not living on the margins. This was not counting on a few things going your way. In fact, it should have been worse than 40-13, to because there were a few times I wanted Jake Dickert to go for it. I didn't want him to kick a field goal. I mean, Dean Janikowski had a very lovely day. Got the Special Teams Player of the Week award. Thoroughly deserved it for going 4-5 for in that football game. But there were times that Washington State could have piled on more, and they didn't, and they still won the football game by four touchdowns against Washington in Seattle. That, I, 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 it is, it is what, I'm four days removed from it at this point. And it is still utterly beguiling how completely dominant they looked in that football game. I know that Washington is on a down year. I know that. Their fans were making excuses for, th- for this outcome. They were making excuses weeks and weeks before the game even started. Oh, well, you should beat us. We're not very good. Blah, 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 blah. I don't, I don't, I don't give a damn. I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear any of it. Because this is this is the same reason why when we say when oh it's not a rivalry, then why do you care so much? Why do I see you? You you do care if Washington State beats you because you don't want them to, because like to you, it's a little brother thing that we've talked about before the alligator mouth, blah, 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 with Oregon. That you are to Oregon what we are to you, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it 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 didn't end the way I thought it would. And You know, I I wrote that article last week about you know we were on an airplane for this because I had I had just kind of resigned myself to the fact that this was a football game that was going to torture me for a long time, and frankly the airfare was much cheaper to come home on Friday and I bought the plane tickets knowing that yeah it was probably going to be over the football game and I I committed myself look you're not going to buy internet you're not going to try to stream you're not going to do any of that stuff you're just going to keep your phone on airplane mode you're going to you know, watch videos with the baby, and you're going to get home, and you're just going to check it. And, of course, that's not... No, I had already... By the time we were on the plane, I talked myself into buying the internet, just on the off chance I could stream it on the airplane. But I would need to follow it on, like... Because the only thing that was working was Google Chrome, the score bug. So I had to follow it on that. Um, and then coming home and watching the recording... Um... I, you know, I know from following on social media, everybody was worried at times, and I, I completely get that because it's this football game. It is the Apple Cup. It is a game where you can't live on the margins. You or or you you can't live on the margins in such a way that you can't have stuff go your way if you're Washington State. But they looked so thoroughly dominant in every facet of the football game. And it is so hard to quantify stuff, you know, like uh, heart and want to and all that other crap. You can't quantify that. You can't put a number on it. And I, I generally roll my eyes at people who use that as like serious analysis, you know, like people who would speak seriously, like kind of like Trent Dilfer, like you would speak seriously about confidence and about and about heart and all that other crap. But it was very, very clear there was only one football team that wanted to be on that field on Friday. It was very, very clear that there was one team that wanted to be there and to kick somebody's rear end. And there was another team there that just wanted to get this over with. That just wanted this to be over in the worst possible way. And they, ha- and, and, and what's wild to me is that somehow between these two football teams... Washington State, who fired their coach because they were legally compelled to in the middle of the year, ended up having a more normal and better season. Like, that—that that is what is truly insane to me, is that's what happened. But again, when this ended, I was not expecting it to end in a way that included outscoring Washington 27-6 in the second half. I didn't expect it to end in a way where Jaden DeLora, Jaden DeLora did not have a touchdown pass or run, and they won by four touchdowns. If I had told you that, if I had told you before the game on Friday that Jaden DeLora was going to throw for no touchdowns and run for no touchdowns, you would have said, oh, we're screwed. We're losing that football game, and you would have been completely, like, logical in your assumption. If I had told you that he would pass for 245 yards, if I had told you that Max Borgie would run for 140, Deion McIntosh for 56 more, Jaden would run for 31 yards. If I had told you that the five-star quarterback was going to start the game for Washington and he was going to average just over six yards a pass largely because he had a 55-yard reception in there, and if you take that away... He's averaging somewhere around four. If I had told you that Washington State was going to hold Washington's leading rusher to 34 yards on the ground, you would have thought I was insane. You would have thought I was nuts. But that's exactly what they did. This defense was flying around, just craving contact with anybody wearing purple, and Jaden Delora was carving up the Huskies in a way we have not seen a Washington State quarterback do in a long, long time, and look, I understand that is not the Washington Huskies defense of yesteryears, that is not the ones with Danny Shelton, with Vita Veya, with all those, I mean, good God, there are so many defenders who have gone on to the NFL from the Washington defense that I like I can't even remember all of them. I'm literally just rattling off the two I can remember off the top of my head. Shaq Thompson, I mean Kevin King. I'm just an absurd amount of talent on the defensive line and in the secondary. And Jaden Delora was just he just picked them apart methodically because they aren't that team anymore. They they went with the same strategy they've gone for for every Apple Cup the last 7 years. Rush three and drop eight. Rush three and drop eight. That was their idea the whole game, and it just continued to not work because Washington State can run the football. And they were they were willing to run the football, unlike someone else we might know. It doesn't mean his offense doesn't work. It just means this one particular team. It wasn't terribly successful. So nothing that they could have done in the past against Washington State was going to work in this game. And I was worried at halftime when it's 13-7, and again, you're not taking advantage of turnovers on the positive side of the field. You're not, you're not, you're not scoring touchdowns when you should be, and you're kicking field goals instead. 13-7 is a good time to adjust. 13-7 is a good time if you're watching and go into the locker room and adjust and come back out and fix some things that were going wrong in that first half. Um, and it, it seems like they just did the opposite. It has been a long time since we have said been able to say that Washington State thoroughly whipped Washington's butt. That was a thorough butt whipping. And I want to I want to point something out here. Okay? This is this is maybe the most wild thing to me. Washington State won 7 games this year. Okay? That game That game against Washington was their widest margin of victory all year. Now granted, they beat Arizona by 26, but as you'll note, 27 is one more than 26. Their largest margin of victory in a year came against Washington. They set a record for their largest margin of victory in the game. Those kids came out and they knew what they were. They knew from the moment they stepped on that field what they were going to do to Washington that night. I I I, Jaden Delora asked for crowd noise while he was on offense. (laughs) Oh my god, this kid is insane. (laughs) He asked for crowd. I don't remember what drive it was on, but I remember they were driving towards the east end zone and he literally, they come back, Fox comes back from break, and he's sitting there asking for noise. He's asking for noise. (laughs) I, I, I'm just, wow. And excuse me, I'm still getting over one hell of a chest cold. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm still shocked. And I, I, I can remember sitting on the airplane, my daughter mercifully asleep after the worst meltdown of her life, um, which is which is just so comforting when you're 35,000 feet in the air. and refreshing my phone constantly. my wife's watching a movie because she she's so burnt out from the poor baby. And when it finally ended, I just I just put my head down on the tray. And I, I just sat there silent for like two minutes. I mean, at first amazed that, you know, we'd been in the air long enough. I was worried that we were going to land in Seattle too soon for there to still be internet uh, on the plane. But that I, I was just stunned silent because what had finally ended, excuse me, was just seven years of just complete and utter frustration. I was much like what Craig said in his piece um, on Sunday was that I was content to write this football game off for forever. I was not I'm, – I'm still not ever going to go to a game in Seattle again. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to a game at Husky Stadium. But I was content to just not go to one in Pullman either because I, I, I just don't – I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I don't think I'm all the way back yet, despite winning by 27. But that that was just that was a 60 minute catharsis of all the crap that had happened, and the Pac 12 North titles that had been denied, and the appearances in New Year's Six bowls that had been denied, and everything else over the years. And I and look, I get that it was not a very good Washington team, and I get that it was a mediocre to good Washington State team but that that just felt like 60 minutes of an ass kicking that just all the rage and anger and anguish and every other painful emotion that this football game had caused for seven friggin years seven years. Just like Somebody dropped a bomb of that crap on that football field and it went off. And it felt really, really good to not just win the football game close, but from the moment the ball was kicked off, to leave absolutely no doubt about who was winning that football game. It felt so good to be on that side of the ball this time. To be on that side of the beatdown. On that side of being sure about something like this. I don't... Husky fans can say whatever they want about, well, we don't care, and yeah, we were bad. You should have done it, and whatever else. You know it bugs them. You know it does. And, oh, I can't believe you guys stormed the field, and that's that's such crap, and blah, blah, blah. This is the kind of thing that feeds a rivalry, guys. It's the kind of thing that gets the flames whipped up again a little bit. Not that there was much of a need for that for a long time, given all the gleeful shots of Gardner Minshew crying I've seen on Twitter over the years. You still clearly cared about this football game. But again, feel free to live in denial at school that your are rival that you've lost 15-17 to to, and we've never done that. Okay. Um, one final note. Uh, I'm, I've mostly been rambling for 18 minutes. I hope it's been semi-cognizant and semi-informative and fun. Um... Who the hell thought starting Sam Heward was a good idea if you're Washington? Genuinely, who thought that was a good idea? And he look, I, I know it's the popular thing to pile on a Heward at Washington, okay? And I know it it, it can be fun for a lot of people, but I, I do I, I actually feel bad. For the kid, in this instance, he's probably going to be very good next year, and then he's going to make make him public enemy number one because he's going to be easy to hate. But right now, I feel very bad for him because it was very clear that that coaching staff did not adequately prepare him. Did not adequately prepare the offense. They didn't do anything to help him out, including the trying to ease him in. Against a defense in a rivalry game that is just going to play with their hair on fire. So why in God's name on a short week in a rivalry game, are you saying to yourself, yeah, seems like a great time to give the freshmen a shot? I I, I genuinely do not understand that. And, you know, yeah, you're an interim staff, whatever else, but... That is not setting your kids up for success later on. That is, and you may not be here next year, but that doesn't mean you don't try to prop them up and whatever else. You know, I, I, it, it borders on, it borders on negligent, like in terms of making, like there, it was very, very clear. They had no clue what they were doing with that kid out there. And you shoot his confidence all to hell I mean, even though there's not going to be another football game this year, but still, I mean, it just that I don't I don't want to like be hyperbol hyper you know get into hyperbole here if I can even say the bloody word correctly. But it it was it was one of the dumbest things I've seen all year in college football. There's no what what good did Sam Heward being in that game do? The minute he threw that first pick, just pull him and put Dylan Morris in. Like I I know that Dylan Morris doesn't make the offense more dynamic or whatever, but he's clearly got a hell of a lot more experience than Sam Hewitt out there. So what is the point in continuing to run that poor kid out there? I I just like I mean un- unless you just like well screw it who cares? I mean okay thanks for the forty to thirteen win I guess. we'll take that walking away. Uh, okay let's take a break. <laughs> I just rambled for like twenty one minutes, and I'm happy you guys listened. Like I'm 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 pretty happy you did that. This is, like, the one show where I can get away with that because, you know, Apple Cup and all that good jazz. Uh, but we're going to talk about Jake Dickert's hire next and kind of where I'm landing on it. And I, I think, you know, you kind of gotten a sense of that over the last few weeks. This was definitely an audition, um, but we'll talk about it a little bit here uh, coming up on the cook Center Hour. Back on the Coug Center Hour, uh, as if enough didn't happen... Uh, on Friday, winning the Apple Cup. It was literally the very next day that Pat Chun offered and Jake Dickert accepted uh, the job as the new head coach at Washington State University. Worth noting that at some point in the last few weeks, he was no longer the acting head coach. He became the interim head coach. So that means Nick Rolovich was officially fired at some point uh, in November um, because that was, it was actually really weird. He was apparently he was on paid leave until like he appealed the firing and then Chun... Really, like his contract says that Chun has to basically decide again to fire him, and then he does it. Then he's on unpaid leave, and then he appeals to Schultz, and then Schultz decides he's actually fired. So, um, Jake Diggert was the interim coach at one point, and now he is the permanent uh, head coach at Washington State University. We don't have contract details for him just yet, which is kind of weird because Washington uh, released uh, Kalen DeBoer's uh, contract details right away. Um, he's only being paid 3.1 million bucks uh, this year, which is a, that's a bargain uh, for them. Uh, so, but I'm, you know, you're going to assume it is a bit lower than what Nick Rolovich was being paid, given that Jake Dicker does not have the head coaching experience that Nick Rolovich had, um, which might open up the assistant money pool a little bit more. Um, and you're also assuming, uh, that WSU is assuming they're going to get out of Nick Rolovich's contract, uh, with no money going out, which they very much, uh, probably will, um, so again, maybe they can afford to pay a little bit more, but you're probably going to want to be more conservative with the guy, um, to whom you are giving the job who has no head coaching experience. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted to start here was, you know, we we've talked about since, since Nick Rolovich was put on paid leave, fired, whatever you want to call it, since he was no longer in charge of this team on a day-to-day basis back in October. I, you know, everybody assumed that Jake Dickert was going to be the acting slash interim head coach. Um, and I I think we all knew that the intervening weeks were going to be a job audition of sorts for Jake Dickert. So, how do you do as a coach over the remaining five games to basically... Make Pat Chun and Kirk Schultz think that you should have the job full time. And I generally abhorred a lot of talk, you know, national riders and whoever else is like, "Well, if Jake Dicker wins the Apple Cup, you got to give him the job." No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to give him the job because he wins one football game. I hated the fact that Mike Leach's contract has a, had a bonus in it for winning that particular football game. A bonus he only got once. <laughs> You don't have to give Jake Dickert the job just for winning the Apple Cup. Okay, that's not like if, if he had lost the other four games and then won that one, you you wouldn't want to give him the job. I mean, maybe you would, but I I, I don't I don't like well, you won this one particular football game, so you definitely deserve the full time job. Okay, so let's let's get that straight. That 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 is not how Pat Chun should have been thinking, and I sincerely hope it was not. Um I I, I still am skeptical about this. And, and I don't mean that as a personal slight to Jake Dickert. I don't mean that as like a, I think he's a bad football coach. Um, I just mean that, and nobody knows how coaching, you know, no matter how much I talk about it or anybody else talks about it, nobody knows how a coach is going to turn out. But I I'm not in love with giving a guy who has no head coaching experience the job and who has a shortened COVID season and a full one of being a defensive coordinator and also an acting head coach, I'm just not a humongous fan of saying here's the reins to a Power 5 program. um, And he very well could be a perfect fit for this team he could very well be a perfect fit for the players and recruiting and everything else i'm just very skeptical of it being the right choice i understand it from pat chun's perspective of you watch the coaching carousel turn this forget weeks these last few days of lincoln riley going to or going to sc And then Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU. I mean, those are two wild changes that you never would have seen in the past. And I also hope that for in perpetuity it now puts to bed any thought any of you have about finding a coach who's going to stay at Washington State forever. Okay? Every job is a stepping stone to someone. Right? Oklahoma was a stepping stone for Lincoln Riley to SC. Notre Dame might not have been that to Brian Kelly, but he left Notre Dame. Notre Dame for LSU. A man who looks like he likes his spice level at about oatmeal is going to be eating gumbo in Louisiana. Okay? So, maybe Pat Chun saw that and said, you know what? I got a guy here who I think can handle it. We're just going to avoid getting on the carousel altogether and we're just going to give him the job and we're going to hope it goes well. I'm a bit disappointed because you don't, you know, my preferred candidate was Jay Norvell at Nevada. You don't see really any rumors about anybody sniffing around him. So maybe he just isn't interested in leaving or maybe Pat Chun made an overture to him and he wasn't interested at all in the Washington state job. It could very well be that there aren't many coaches interested in this job right now because you're looking at a, a team that's going to lose some talent and right now is in the middle of a very difficult and very uh, needing of somebody's recruiting class before the early signing period starts now granted there's gonna be a lot of movement in the transfer portal um, over the winter but still this is a this is a recruiting class that needs a lot of help right now Um so maybe, you know, coaches look at it and go, God, this is a rebuild where I'm coming here. So maybe Jake Dickert doesn't mind undertaking that. And he probably shouldn't because this is his first head coaching gig. So he needs to be willing to take on a tough task. And I would like to think that next year, because I, I think next year's going to be a little bit of a rougher year. I thought this year was going to be too. Again, I'm, nobody knows anything. Um, let's see. Washington's going to the Rose Bowl. How'd that work out? Uh, if they get tickets. uh. So, you know, like, maybe Jake Diggert's the guy who's willing to do this. It's just, I, I remain, like, I I really think skeptical is the right word. And again, this has nothing to do with him personally. This has nothing to do with who he is as a, as a coach or what, what, well, okay. Maybe it does a little bit as a coach. not going for it on those fourth downs. I would like him to be a little bit more aggressive there. Um, you know, he's, he's a defensive coach who's inherently going to be a little bit more conservative with that kind of thing. Um, but it, it, it just, it, again, letting somebody who's never done this before ever, ever, uh, do it. And not just in a caretaking role, but this is now your job. Uh, it's. It's a little scary. It's a little scary. And I, I, I think there's some, you know, there are some valid thoughts to Pat Shun and Kirk Schultz. Don't want to jump on looking for a guy. Jake Dickert's probably not going to get hired away in the interim if you're going out and looking for somebody. And maybe you think that if you're just going to end up with Jake Dickard anyway, it's disrespectful to him to go looking for another coach, then okay. But there might also be something to... Jake Dickert is... He is not a guy who is going to make waves publicly. Every press conference he gave, you saw a guy who knew exactly what to say, how to say it, and in a way that is as vanilla as possible. Right? A guy who is just not ever going to say or do anything that is out of the ordinary, that causes you headaches, whatever else. And maybe if you're Kirk Schultz and Pat Chun, that's kind of what you're looking for here. You're kind of looking for a guy who's not going to embarrass you publicly and do it for months and months on end. And you're not looking for a guy who's a loose cannon behind a microphone. Who will, you know, go to rallies for a presidential candidate. And who has a tendency to take his anger and misdirect it at players or media members. Okay? Maybe you're looking for Jake Dickard after that. And that's fine. And I totally understand that. I completely get why a guy like Jake Dickert and his personality type would be incredibly appealing if you are a university leader right now. Because if you think Jake Dickert can do a good job of leading this football team and keeping them on a bull streak and whatever else, and you also know that he is just going to, you know, well, you know, we're really focused on the next team, and, you know, I really love the guys we have in the locker room, and blah, 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 all the other canned answers you can ever think of in your life. If you just think he's going to do that, (laughs) again, after the last two guys, it might be some welcome relief to just never see your school in a headline again. Ever. 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 How many times over the last few years has that been a problem? Okay, so I, I I think that there is inherently some desire to be in that position if you're Pat Chun and Kirk Schultz, and I, I how many times can I say their name in this segment? I, I'm not going to be that guy who says prove me wrong, Jake Dicker, because I, that's such a canard, and I I hate it. It's like, oh, well, he proved me wrong. Happy he did it. um, I, I want him to be successful. I want this to work. I truly do. And I think I can thread the needle here of the, well, prove proved me wrong, by saying I want him to be successful. I'm just skeptical about it. If he makes a great offensive coordinator hire, then wonderful. Brian Smith sticking around doesn't give me a ton of confidence. The offense was better towards the end of the year when he was really and truly the only one in charge without Craig Stutzman being the co-OC and without Nick Rolovich being there because Nick Rolovich was at least, you know, he wasn't the offensive coordinator, but he was at least inherently interested in how that was going, whereas Jake Dickert is just interested in defense. I do very much kind of like the opposite of Mike Leach who did, the dude could not have called a defensive formation when he was here The same, I'm sure Jake Dickert looks at that offensive playbook and goes, I have no idea what's in here. Okay. So maybe Brian Smith got better because there were fewer cooks in the kitchen. Again, him being here on his own, running the offense, again, not the greatest level of confidence. But I want this to work. Because Jake Dickert seems like a genuinely good person and a good coach who is well-liked by his players and is well-liked by everybody in that locker room and is well-liked by everybody in the athletic department. I want this to work because... I, I, I'm always happy for success stories like this at Washington State. And if Jake Dickert can prove that his audition was not just a fluke, then that's great for us. And if Jake Dickert leaves for another job in three to four years, then that's great for us. That means we've been good. Things have been successful. And we get to go find somebody else who can do it all over again. I'm just at this juncture a little skeptical as to whether it will work out or not. And again, nobody truly knows. I I, I don't even truly know. And I'm admitting that, and I'm a person with a podcast that you're listening to right now. This just seemed like the easy thing to do. It seemed like university leadership, so sick and tired of not having the easy thing to do this year, of constantly being in a battle with whether it be internal or external or whatever else of constant late night text messages, emails, phone calls, everything else that goes around crisis management. It just seemed like people who went, you know what we want? I want to go to bed at night and not worry about my phone ringing. That's what I want. Jake Dickert is your phone not ringing overnight, okay? He is, he's not that, and based off the information we have, he's not going to be a guy who causes you a problem uh, that would necessitate that. Jake Dickert is Kirk Schultz being able to brag about the vaccination status of all of his students instead of having the media focus on the one very public guy who isn't. That's what Jake Dickert is. And maybe that's what we need right now. Sometimes after a bad breakup, you just need somebody who's going to be there for you to make you dinner and to lay down in bed and read a book and go to bed at 9.30. And that kind of seems that's what Jake Dickert is right now. He's not... A late night phone call. He's in bed, in pajamas. You know pajamas. Pajamas. At 9.30. This got to a very weird place. (laughs) What am I doing? What the hell? What are you doing still listening to this? (laughs) i such a... How, I don't know how the hell, hell we got to this analogy, man. This is just the weirdest analogy ever. But I think it works. I think it works perfectly. Uh, okay. Let's talk about the basketball team after the fight song. And then we're going to do our Dunderhead of the Week. Ask Michael anything. Been off for a couple of weeks because of, of scheduling issues. But also we were seeing family last week uh, across the country. So we weren't didn't have our computer with us, or a microphone, because getting that in a checked bag would probably not be the right priority. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about basketball next, done Head of the week, ask Michael anything from the Cougar touch briefly um, on the basketball team here, because I know you're probably listening to this on the day they play Arizona State down in Tempe, and then they get uh, top 25 USC uh, in Pullman on Saturday, which I will be there for, and I'm greatly looking forward to a sporting event um, in Pullman again. But that game against Eastern was, I mean, concerning for a few reasons. Uh, When you heard Noah Williams and TJ Bomba were out for that game with neck injuries, which was... Wild uh, to me. Um, I mean, I got a little bit worried, but Eastern Washington was 245 and Kempom coming into that game. And so, in theory, you're kind of thinking, you know what, okay, maybe the game tightens up a little bit, but without Williams and without Bomba, that's still a basketball game they should win. And they were ahead by, I think it was as many as 18 or 19 at one point. And Eastern just came roaring back in that basketball game and ultimately won it. And... I, I think what was concerning, you know, something that concerned me before the start of the year, and, and I'm I'm not the guy to talk basketball um, on this website. I don't have the analytical skills uh, that others like Craig and Jeff uh, do, uh, or Bryce in this regard. Um, but it seemed to me that, and I'm, I'm going to pin my hopes on this because I want to, because I, th- I still think this team has a chance to be very special this year, um, is that they were going to have a game like this. You were going to have a game where you were missing somebody like Noah Williams, and you have so many new faces, Roberts, Flowers, Gay, Um, Koulibaly, uh, even though Koulibaly was there last year. Um, He's playing now for the first time this year. You had so many new faces um in the rotation, in the starting lineup, that at some point they were going to be a little disjointed, too disorganized, and a game like this was going to happen. Now the the downside, again, to this is that that particular loss is a resume killer if you are on the fringe for the NCAA tournament. The committee is going to look at losing to a team like Eastern at home and be like, wow, that's a horrifying loss. I mean, if, if you're a Kook fan, you are rooting for Eastern Washington the rest of the way to get much better than they are right now. Um... And even then, I don't know how much that helps you. So they were, they were due for a game like this. The problem is you have games coming up against Weber, against Boise State, against South Dakota State, against USC, against Arizona State. These are all much better teams than the ones you've been facing. And we don't know what Noah Williams' status is. We don't know what TJ Bamba's status is. So I'm worried, and I, I'm and it's just one game, but it was such a bad game where they were disorganized defensively they were not their shot selection was poor nothing was going in at all it f- it felt like there was a lid on the hoop so I, I I try not to read too much into one game but it's very worrying when you do that at home against a really bad team and you let them come back and win even if you don't have your best player. Even if you don't have your first man off the bench. It's it's concerning. And I know Kyle Smith can find a way to fix it. I'm sure he was not pleased after that game. Um, But you, you saw a little bit of that against Winthrop. Where they got back into that game. Made it very close at the end. And Eastern did the same thing. But they were able to finish the job. So... What can you do, especially with these two early-season Pac-12 games now that you're on a 20-game conference schedule, so you're always going to have these two early games in December? ASU is a pretty good team. USC is a very good team. You desperately need to get this sorted out quick because those two games and then the rest of your non-conference schedule is not exactly how the early part of it was where you're playing a lot of teams like Seattle and Idaho. Who are not very good, and you can beat by 40 some odd points. And you can just count on out athletic, out athleting them. You can't do that anymore. It would not surprise me not, you know, accepting these Pac 12 games to see them drop another game or two before conference play really gets into full swing. And I hope that's not the case. But that kind of performance really concerns me. And maybe you lost Noah and TJ on short notice, so you kind of had to throw something together. But, again, you should you should still be able to do that against Eastern. We're going to see how they get on against Arizona State Wednesday, SC on Saturday. I hope you guys are able to make it if you can. I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to seeing the student section at full throat. I'm looking forward, maybe not full throat, but I'm looking forward to seeing them excited to be there again. I'm looking forward to being in Pullman again. I'm looking forward to being at Valhalla, the Coug. Everywhere again. I'm looking forward to bringing some buddies who have... One of them hasn't been in 11 years. That's going to be a great time. Okay, Dunderhead of the Week. Ask Michael anything right now. Dunderhead of the Week. Uh, this is just to nobody in particular. We spent last week with family uh, in North Carolina about an hour east of Raleigh, so that's pretty decent way east into North Carolina um, and I understand slower pace of life works for a lot of people I understand you move to the south for that and whatever else but I just thunderhead ahead of the week because there is just nothing is done with any sense of any kind of urgency with anything at all and it is absolutely mind blowing to me You put in an order of Dunkin' Donuts and it takes 12 minutes to get filled and nobody's doing anything. I can see behind the counter. Y'all are standing there chatting with one another. A latte is not difficult to make. It is not hard to make a hamburger quickly. It is not hard when I have a sick child and I would like to bring her into urgent care and I have an appointment For the doctor to not take an hour after we get back there to come see us. Or for a prescription to take forever to get filled. And blah, 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 blah. Nothing is urgent. Nothing moves quickly. I get slower pace, whatever else. But just literally any, any urgency at all to do anything. I'm not even talking about like racing around running. Moving with a purpose would be lovely. Can't even get that. Cannot even get that. So just... It's, I, I get it. It's part of the appeal. Just any urgency at all, please, would be great. Including when I have a very fussy baby going through airport security and you're taking your sweet time to do the little the bomb detection thing on her car seat. Because those puffs she had are definitely going to turn up with bomb-making material definitely need to do that ask Michael anything time just like anything done quickly just, I'm begging for it please ask Michael anything time at Ben Wyman Ben Wyman no question this tweet is just your chance to dance on the grave of Ohio State season guys I had a great 18 hours of football let me tell you great 18 hours of football Thanksgiving weekend has sucked for so long, so long, so, so long. Did not this time. At Luke Erickson, 10. Luke Erickson, early predictions for the 2022 Dickert coach team. Seems like we're losing tons of talent on both sides of the ball. Can we have another 7 or 5? 7 and 5 or possibly a better season. Um, I... Again, six wins, bowl eligibility. Um, they, I, I think they lose a little bit more on offense than a lot of people might think, or you know, a lot of people are thinking. Um, and not having Max Borgie and Dion Magatosh is going to be really rough, and you lose Abe Lucas as well um, at right tackle, so it's going to be hard to replace him. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but I, I just don't think there's anything wrong with the standard being six wins. You get to a bowl game at Washington State, and I, you know, that's that's just how it's going to be, and that'll be that. Uh, at cloud-based Aaron Aaron Hahn is there a lazier non-gift card holiday gift than Hickory Farms great if you're prepping for nuclear winter unpleasant otherwise uh I got a lazier non-gift card holiday gift I mean cash is pretty lazy if not very appreciated um I anything that you would have found on an end cap at Home Depot. That's a lazier one. And I've done that before because I've been in Home Depot and needed to get something for somebody. I'm not going to say who because I don't want to give that away. Uh, at Philly Phillips for RW, given when what USC and possibly UW with Campbell are doing, they did hire DeBoer since he asked this question. What do you think our assistant pool will look like? Seems like a lot of money should be available given our hire. Can Dickert pull top assistants? That's another concern you have with hiring Dickert, right? But we should have a little bit more money for the assistant pool because I wouldn't expect them to pay him... Uh, to pay him as much as again, Nick Rolovich is being paid at Bigwood WSU. Kyle Sherwood is Jaden Delora already the number one WSU Apple Cup villain of all time. Jacob Thorpe, SR, follows up. It's snow. Uh, I and mean, it probably is a snow, unfortunately. Um, he's getting there, right? One more like that, especially in Pullman taunting the crowd, doing all that stuff. He's definitely number one if you're a UW fan of all time. Alex Brink is still the, probably the number one Apple Cup villain of all time, given he won three games. But, like, if we're going in just in terms of, like, like raw annoyance, yeah, Dolores probably up there. Another one from Cloud Based, Aaron Aaron Hahn. If you have to wait five minutes for a cushy booth or no-wait open seating in the bar area, what are you choosing? Ooh. I think it depends on where I am. Am I at a sports bar? Am I at just, like, a regular old Red Robin-type restaurant? Kind of, like, nothing, like, special about it. Just a place I want to go to have an okay meal. I'll probably wait for the booth, but if I'm, like, at a nice place... Or, like, I'll I'll probably go to the bar, but if I'm in a nice place... No, I'm I'm waiting for the booth. I'll get a drink at the bar, but I want want the booth. Definitely. At C-Clean... C-K-Lean... C-Clean, sorry. Apple Cup champs. Who's your choice for OC and DC for Dickard? I mean, Dickard's going to be the DC offensive coordinator. I mean, God, I don't know enough about that. I hardly know enough about head coaches to know who would be good. Um... I would like somebody, in the, again, in the air raid tree, and I know it sounds stupid to go back to that, but WSU's identity is throwing the football and having an offense that isn't just like cookie cutter, so something like that. At WC Brady 27, go effing Cougs. Two questions, favorite and least favorite holiday food dishes and favorite photo from the Apple Cup. My favorite picture is that one with uh, Travel Harris. He's like the only one up on the crowd, and he's doing the dubs down thing. Like, that's, that's my favorite picture. Um, Favorite holiday food dish is Swedish meatballs. My mom makes them the correct way. Not the way you have them at Ikea, which is BS. Okay? I'm not giving you the recipe either. It's a family recipe. It's delicious. Least favorite holiday food. I am going to offend you with this. Okay? You guys ready? Hold on to something. Green bean casserole. Cannot stand it. Cannot stand it. Chris McK- at Chris McKinterf, Chris McKinterf, what movie from your childhood are you most excited to watch with your daughter when she was old enough? FYI, Stand By Me was not as kid-friendly as I remembered. God, no kidding. Um, Oh, man. Movie I'm most excited for my childhood to watch Probably A Christmas Story. I'm actually, like, I am actually a hipster that Christmas Story, because we were watching it about 25 years ago with a friend of mine. His family found it, like, 25 years ago somehow, um, so I'm most excited to watch that with her. Um, there's not really another movie that I can think of that, like, so defined my childhood. Uh, maybe... Yeah, no, I'm gonna go with that. Indiana Jones, by the way, Raiders of the Lost Ark, do not watch that with a kid like my parents said, Oh my god, you're gonna be scarred for life for that scene with the Nazis when they open up the Ark of the Covenant. Oh my god. Oh god. At human underscore zero zero five, a bunch of flags in your name. Are we keeping Brian Smith? Please, yes. We're going to find out. I don't know. Uh, maybe to coach the running backs, at least. I'd be interested to see if Digger keeps everybody, though. At double BS 13, double BS, donuts, fritters, maple bars. Not a question, was it? No, but I love all of them. We'll see you guys next week on the Cooks and We can hopefully talk about a couple of basketball wins uh, before getting back into the non-conference schedule. That'll never get normal.